this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I get the privilege of starting uh, to kick off a new series that's going to be happening over the next number of weeks, talking about just being inspired by faith and uh, how do we live out our faith in real time. So today I'm going to be sharing uh, really in three parts. First one, I want to give you a bit of a report on the work that I'm involved in in Sierra Leone. The second part, I'm going to try to give you a real quick kind of um, my journey to, uh, to living out my faith and to, to the work that, what led me to being involved in the different uh, ministries I've been involved in, in particular this one with Sierra Leone. And then the last one is a bit of a challenge to all of us to allow our faith to uh, inform our lives, to inform our decision-making, to help us make uh, life-giving and life-changing decisions. So let me just start by sharing a little bit about the work I'm involved in with, in Sierra Leone. I can't go into a lot of details simply because it would take too long, but I'm going to start by giving you a little bit of a, some of the motivation uh, that has at least inspired me to pursue the path that we are taking in Sierra Leone. I don't know, we all know that, you know, there is corruption in the world and we hear it all the time. But doing a little bit of study, I found out, this is from the World Economic Forum, that corruption is a $2.6 trillion issue in the world. That is 5% of the world's gross domestic product. And that over a trillion dollars is paid out annually in various forms of bribes uh, that are involved in business and government. And that. That's, those are staggering numbers. What's really um, missed in those statistics, is, as large as they are, as staggering as they are, is the personal, societal, and the eternal impact of corruption. And so I, I, I start with those stats to just kind of give you a bit of a sense of the urgency and why we're involved in what we are in Sierra Leone. So let me start by just saying Sierra Leone is a tiny country in West Africa, about 7 million people. It's about the size of New Brunswick, um, you know, and on, on the West Coast of Africa. It has an interesting history, very complex history. It was one of the uh, embarkation or launching places for a lot of the uh, slave trade from Africa to the Caribbean and North America. And the main city of, of, in Sierra Leone is called Freetown. And Freetown was an area that was developed for, to bring repatriated slaves back to Africa. And so it has this complex uh, history, this complex uh, social environment. Um, it's wonderful people, beautiful country with some enormous challenges. Um, if you're, if you, you know, are familiar a few years ago and there was, uh, in the, in the late 90s, a significant civil war, uh, in, in 2014, uh, there was a serious Ebola outbreak. There've been all kinds of issues that have impacted the country over the years. And so it's a difficult place. It's ranked about 14th poorest country, uh, you know, in the, in the world. <clears throat> all that to say there are needs there. And so what our work is, is to bring uh, a message of hope to the people from the bottom up and the top down. So we work with all kinds of different agencies, uh, all kinds of different people, 
bringing a message of uh, hope and integrity because integrity is what changes the issue of corruption. Uh, we've been able to develop a great partnership with the Anti-Corruption Commission, uh, with the police force, with the prison guards, with the traffic authority, with a number of teacher associations, just helping them by providing them with some tools and some training to help change the environment in Sierra Leone. One of the things we're really excited about <clears throat> is uh, a children's curriculum that we've developed called Codename Integrity that helps to impact an emerging generation because really what we've identified is, is that laws and policies and you know, better institutions don't, you know, don't deal with the issue of corruption. It's really changed hearts that uh, changes a nation. And that's really our calling as Christians, is to disciple nations. The Great Commission encourages us, commissions us to disciple nations. And we do that uh, by, by introducing people to the gospel, but the uh, gospel of the kingdom, through this message of integrity, which is, is a great pathway for it. And so all that, that keeps me busy there a couple of times a year, traveling there, and we're continuing to develop that relationship. Uh, it's exciting work. Um, the doors have been opening lately in significant ways, and we're, we're really excited to see the impact of essentially building integrity rather than deconstructing corruption. So all of that, we say, okay, that's great. You know, those are, those are wonderful things, and, and we're, we're excited about it. But how did I personally get involved there? And so let me move to the next part, kind of my personal journey not just to Sierra Leone, but to have a focus in my life on uh, living out my faith in a way that uh, is, is impacting both myself and the people around me. And I'm going to do that by sharing four quick stories uh, that I think hopefully will help. Uh, I grew up in, in church, as many of you did, always struggled to really um, be able to uh, express myself, to be able to share my faith. And that always bothered me. It was a significant challenge for me. And I, I had this moment when I went to college where um, I, was, I was first year, first day, you had to go and take a test. It was an English course that you take a test and uh, be able to uh, avoid. To, if you pass this, this test, you didn't have to take the English course. And if you, if you didn't pass the test, you had to take the English course as part of the curriculum, part of, the, part of your, your group of, of studies. And so I go, never been great in that area, so I was expecting that it would be a challenge. Uh, I sit down in the classroom with probably 50, 60 other people. The instructor gets up and immediately starts making jokes about Christians and faith and religion, and I could tell he wasn't a big fan. Uh, and then the, he, he tells us, this is our test. We had to write uh, a page and a half on what is the most important thing in our lives. And I'm sitting there going, okay, how do I respond to this? And I had already begun to, you know, be challenging myself to be more vocal, be more, um, you know, outward with my faith. And I thought, okay, I've got to at some point take a stand. And so I thought, okay, I knew this guy was, was already hostile towards Christians. And so I, I thought, what do I have to lose? I'm probably not going to pass anyway. So I, I, I wrote a page and a half on why Jesus was the most important thing in my life. It was a big step. You might think, well, that's an easy thing to do. But for me at the moment, uh, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Uh, I wrote it nervously. 
I wrote it, you know, expecting that it wasn't going to fly with this uh, with this instructor. And uh, it, long story short, is I actually did pass, and I didn't have to take the course, and I never had to deal with that instructor again. Um, not sure if he just pushed me on because he didn't want to deal with it or uh, or whatever. But all I say all that to say that was a turning point for me. It was a moment in time as a young man where I had to simply take a stand just to just declare who I was and what was important to me. And so that started me on a journey and it probably changed the trajectory of my life a little bit. Uh, I started to be more involved in uh, get, just thinking more about what does it mean to live out my faith. And I had an opportunity. So the second thing is I had an opportunity to take a bike trip. Part of my purpose for taking the trip was to get alone and to spend some time reading. And so I ended up uh, in this little hotel in uh, the uh, in Quebec on the St. Lawrence by myself in this tiny little hotel for a couple of days because it was just pouring rain. And I would say that was probably one of the most transformational moments in my life because I spent the, those two days reading through the Gospels time after time after time. And I, in simple terms, I it was a moment where I got to actually meet the Jesus that I'd been hearing about in church and Sunday school all my life. I, 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 I can't really describe it, but all of a sudden what I was reading came to life. And so that moment of being alone and just focusing on, you know, diving into God's word and hearing what it had to say to me was a huge point of transformation for me. The third thing that happened uh, and this is all happening in a matter of probably a, a year and a half or two years. You can see looking back that God had a, had a plan in that for me, but I, and in the time I didn't know it. Um, there was a man that I really admired, enjoyed spending time with, and uh, his name was Danny Paul. He's quite elderly now. Uh, but he happened to, when, when Wanda and I got engaged, uh, he thought it was unfair that the women got all the showers and all the gifts and all that sort of stuff. And he, so he decided I needed a gift too. And he gave me this book. And for me, this is probably one of my prized possessions in my life. Um, it's over 100 years old. It still has his own little, little uh, you know, uh, name and little address thing in here, plus, plus mine. It's called The Life of Christ. And... It's a fabulous read. I've recommended this to many people. I've given copies of it to my own kids. But the point, uh, the book is simply a narrative of Jesus' life. It really weaves together the, the Gospels. It's written in the late 1800s. Um, but this was, this was, again, a high-impact moment in my life. I, I spent some time actually investing in my understanding of who Jesus was, not just simply casually, but intently. And this book has, I, I read it almost constantly. I have it, I'll pick it up here all over the place at different times just to refresh my memory. But um, it's a great book to read. But what I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I had to be intentional about feeding um, my thoughts, feeding my understanding of who Jesus was. So, so then the last piece here, uh, had an opportunity um, to say yes to something. And, and I just put it in these terms. There was an opportunity that came up to uh, participate in a in a mission in Israel. Uh, Wanda and I weren't married at the time, uh, and we were 
we were engaged, I believe at the time this came up. I just, I just knew that I needed to go on this. And so I went to our pastor at the time who was leading this mission trip and just said, hey, I'm in, I wanna go. I uh, went to Wanda and, and said, look, I'm going on this thing. And she had decided, you know, he uh, wasn't sure about it, but thought maybe she would want to go too. I said, well, let, why don't we go married? And so we we got married and went on this mission trip. So that that moment of decision, just simply saying yes to something, again, changed the trajectory of our, trajectory of our life. And we're living out that adventure uh, even to this day, 42 years later. And so all of those pieces were, were hugely significant, but all of them required me to do something. They all required me to take, kind of go out of my comfort zone a little bit and make a decision. And that's where I want to go next as we talk about this adventure. I'd, I'd like to put it in those terms of thinking about faith not as a duty, not as something that you, you, you have to, you know, trudge through and, and it's going to impact all the fun in life, but to put it in terms of an adventure, um, because that's, I believe that's what it is. I don't know how many of you like adventures. I want to give you a, uh, a little bit of a hint. Going to Disneyland is not an adventure. That's a holiday. That's something you do to, to escape the real world. The real world has real adventures. And the real adventure, the biggest real adventure, is discovering who we are in Christ and pursuing his purposes for our life. Um, and so I want to I want to let Scripture really do the talking from here on in. But I want to share with you just some thoughts uh, from Hebrews chapter eleven, which really is a a tremendous example, uh, a recapping of a number of different accounts from the Old Testament about people who embarked on this adventure of faith, who allowed themselves to think differently, to respond differently, to uh, engage in the world. In a, in a different way. Let's start by just simply kind of prefacing this by saying, we, we often talk a lot about Jesus and his redemptive work and our salvation, our forgiveness through him. And we should, we should recognize that Jesus came to redeem us. But he also came to recruit us. He also came to uh, call us to be his disciples. And he simply says, follow me. And I want to suggest to you, as we read through these scriptures, this following of Jesus is the greatest, can be the greatest adventure of your life. And it is actually about living out our faith in what Jesus has done. So let me just share some scripture from Hebrews chapter 11, because I think this will be really helpful for us. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to share about a few verses that kind of go through the, uh, go through the chapter. But the first verse you'll probably recognize is very, very common. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Pastor Joel, uh, I believe it was last week or the week previous, mentioned this, that hope isn't, when, when, when we use the term hope, it's not about, gee, I hope this is right. I hope this is good. I hope this is true. No, it's actually about a conviction, uh, a revelation of that truth. And our hope for the future is based on that truth that we, we believe. And so these verses tell us that our faith, living out our faith, is a response. It's that confidence that we have um, that in what we hope for. And it's that assurance that we have about what we do not see. 
So let me, let me share, as this chapter goes along, I'm going to share a few verses here. But let me, let me jump down to verse 8 and 10. Again, probably very familiar verses. I'm going to highlight a couple of thoughts and just keep moving. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. So point to remember, we don't always know where we're going when we're acting by faith. He says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs with him, of the same promise. For he was looking, and listen to these words, he was looking forward, this is a common theme through the, through the chapter, he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This theme's going to come up. Just take a mental note of that. Faith is rooted in an in a expectation of something that is coming. Looking forward to a city, I'm willing to say no to things now in order that I can say yes to things in the future. They lived in tents because they believed that, that God had, was preparing a city for them, who's, and God was the actual architect and builder. Goes on in in, in Hebrews uh, in in verse thirteen to sixteen. After just talking about a number of people, it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. I love this line. People who say such things show they are looking for a city of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. There's something very um, energizing about dissatisfaction with the world we live in today. It fueled their it fueled their faith, this sense of something better. And then this line to me is so exciting. Because of that, it says, "Therefore, God is not ashamed." to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I I look forward, I hope we all are looking forward to that time when we understand, when we see, and when we, we receive that understanding that God is not ashamed to be called our God because we are looking forward to what he's prepared for us because we're living out our faith in such a way that uh, is honoring to him and shows that the reality of our convictions. I'm going to move on quickly here. In verse 24, moves on to talk about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as the, of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead. There's that, there's that thought again of looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And I love this verse. He pre- persevered because he saw him who was invisible. He saw him who was invisible. A lot of unknowns here in some respects, but built, those unknowns don't seem to be the challenge because of the conviction, because, because Moses could see 
God's work, even though he was invisible. So here's, I'm just touching on a few points from that chapter, but I hope you can see the nature of living out our faith. It's an adventure. There are things that aren't going to be known, um, but they're, they're, we are motivated by a conviction, by an overwhelming sense of God's plan and purpose for our life. And so I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to press into that. Uh, it doesn't come just simply by doing nothing. It actually comes by making steps, by reaching out, by, by moving it towards what God uh, wants to do in your life. Sometimes we can say those things in their in sort of generalized, but I want to I end by just a bit of a charge or a bit of a challenge to all of us. And I'm going to start with the young people. Um, there's an interesting theme in Scripture that God tends to love to use young leaders, young people, to accomplish his plans and purposes. And we see that throughout Scripture. And I'm, I'm excited when I see young people, young men and women, who are uh, engaging in their faith and aligning themselves with God's purposes at a young age. What a, what, a, what a privilege to begin to do that at a young age and live out the rest of your life and allow that to change the trajectory of your life. I want to encourage you to do that, to set that course early to respond to God's call in your life. I want to speak specifically to the middle-aged, those who would be considered middle-aged. I kind of was thinking I am, but I think I'm actually creeping up into the uh, older, older category. And I'm going to be a little bit blunt with you. Um, I want to challenge you not to settle. Don't become so absorbed in the world around us, the spirit of our age, which really is focused on comfort and convenience. Uh, we spend excessive amounts of money um, to, and resources to, to feel safe and secure and comfortable. Unfortunately, those things don't fit well when we live out our faith. Um, as followers of Jesus, you know, our, our highest, we should have the highest risk tolerance of any people on earth. As followers of Jesus, we should, we should be putting ourselves out there in ways that um, are, are making a difference, not only in ourselves, in our, in our families' lives, but in our communities' lives. And I know we do that, but I know we're, our tendency, at, at, you know, when we reach those middle-aged times, is to look to be comfortable, to look to be secure, to look to be safe, and be, everything to be convenient. And so I, I just want to challenge you, don't settle for just that. Allow yourself to take risks. Um, because God uh, works through risks. I think we can see that very clearly in Scripture. He calls us to take risks, and calls to, he wants to partner with us in those risks. And so if you're in that age where, you know, you're making a lot of decisions about, you know, you know retirement and all those things, plan one that's adventurous. Plan an adventurous life, not just simply comfort. We're not called to be careful. We're called to be wise. Wisdom has an inherent risk involved in it because it calls us to do things for God. And I want to lastly just challenge the old. Sometimes, you know, we think, well, we're getting older, we get a free pass, we've done all the work, we just get to ride it out now. And I don't see anywhere in God's word that that's the case. In fact, Psalm 92 tells us this, that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedars of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. 
They will flourish in the courts of God. And I love this little phrase. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green proclaiming the Lord is upright. So even those who are you know, nearing the end uh, in the last years of life, uh, the promise from God's word is that we can stay fresh and flourishing and still bear good fruit. And so this call to faith is for all of us. Uh, it's never too late to start. And there's always more that God has for us to do. Uh, we don't get vacations, take time off to, to simply do our own thing because God's too big. Um, so I want to end here, um, and I hope that what I've shared is helpful to you, but I hope it also hasn't created this sense, well, I got to do everything he said, or I got to do it the way he did it. The creativity of God and the creativity of God's spirit is so amazing. Uh, there's a theme, I love the books of the, the Narnia Chronicles, and there's a, uh, many of you know them, children's stories by C.S. Lewis, and almost every one of the books has a moment where someone's questioning something about somebody else. And the response from Aslan the lion who represents Jesus is just simply this, hey, nobody's told any story but their own. You have a unique story of faith to live out for God. Uh, it's not my story. It's not your neighbor's story. It's your story. Uh, you have, if you're married, you have the privilege to do it together. But the, the point here is that everybody has a story to live out. And so I just want to encourage you to step out and take risks to do what God's, you know as God's put on your heart uh, and to do it uh, in, with, with as much energy and trust as, as, you know, as you can muster because God will be there with you. I, I've experienced that. I can testify to that uh, in my life and I know it'll be the same in yours. Let's pray as we close. Father, I just want to take uh, this moment to, one, thank you that you don't call us just to lives of of you know, safety and security. You call us to lives of adventure. There's inherent risks, but you promise to be with us and you work even in those risks, even in those things that maybe don't seem to fit, but you use all the pieces uh, for your purposes. And so God, I wanna, I wanna uh, simply pray that your spirit would be at, at work in each life that's listening, that you would continue to prompt and motivate and to that we would be, be, have ears to hear what you're calling us to do, and that we would take those steps of faith that would open the doors to new and, and great adventures that you promised to be with us on. And so, God, I, I, I continue just to ask for your spirit to work in people's lives uh, and continue to, to help us to grow uh, as we pursue your plan and purpose for our lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. 
It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.